ladies, thanks again for joining us for the You Need to Hear This Sis podcast. I am your co-host, Fly Girl TW, and on the line with me, I have... The very own Terry Davis, your cousin, sister, friend, and partner in oh, yeah. legal crime. <laughs> I gotta put that legal in there first. Because look at our um, podcast on anchor.fm. Don't forget about starting your own podcast if interested. It looks like about 30 of you have listened to one or more of the three or four videos that we have out there. So thank you so much for uh, making the attempt to start the journey with us. We really appreciate it. So follow up Mm -hmm. to our initial podcast last week, which was entitled Self-Identity Crisis. We had two questions. We had some homework for you, ladies. And that homework, you want to go ahead and share Mm -hmm. what those two um, items were? Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. So ladies, you were uh, invited to the challenge of going on your personal journey to uh, live your more authentic life by starting with our first activity. Uh, And that was to answer two questions. First, tell us your fondest first memory, the very first memory that you had that just made you feel so elated, uh, so good, so happy, all those positive good vibes. And then the second part of that was to go back and see if you can recall um, the memory, the first one that was traumatic to you, whether it was physical pain, emotional pain, or, or what have you. And then we asked you all to also put a name to those feelings. You know, that was the challenge, ladies. And um, I'm hoping that we can really delve into some of the feedback and uh, Fly Girl TW, you and I are going to uh, be the first to participate in this. You know, we can't ask everybody else to do it sis, if we're we not going to do, do it. Right. So, yeah. So uh, that's something that we really want to begin this episode with so that we don't leave any uh, ties untied. Um, Because this is going to be a journey. So we took the first step in uh, recognizing the situation, not only with ourselves, Mm -hmm. but with all women. You know, we have this we have this connectivity, this uh, uh, centralization of things that we go through. You You I know we um, we talked briefly um, about it took us a minute, each of us a minute to get back there. I think it's so Mm -hmm. important to, Mm -hmm. like you said, just to let everyone know that this is our journey too. We may be what some consider Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. further along, but not really because I don't ever think there's an end to, that's why it's called evolution. Mm -hmm. There's not an end to being the the best you Mm -hmm. uh, because there's always something about us that Mm -hmm. we learn new, Mm -hmm. hopefully, as as we uh, grow older and also wiser. There's always for us to improve things and also we change our train of thought uh, depending on our environment, our personal experiences and also our professional ones. So we're doing this right along with you. What's your fondest memory? To be very transparent, um, it took me a while. It took me a while and um, and it's concerning. I'm going to uh, share this with you ladies that um, I thought real hard to what was the first happy moment that I can remember. And to be honest, I could not go too far back to uh, where I wanted to. Um, I just could not recall. But the one thing that stood out to me was when I got my 10-speed bike. And um, that has 
stuck with me for years and I'm 52. And even today, when I think about for my birthday, I went downstairs in the basement and there was an orange 10 speed bike for me. And um, a little bit of background to that, uh, what made it so happy for me. Um, I believe I was 10. I was 10. Mm -hmm. I was about 10 years old. Um, So as you know, I mean, because we're family, but for our listeners and ladies, I grew up um, as the Mm -hmm. stepchild. Um, I was the Mm -hmm. one with the different name. Um, I looked different and I was the first one to know it. And so uh, everyone in the household had uh, their name and I had my own name. And I dealt with that for years and years and years. Uh, the bond that my sister had mm-hmm. with her father, um, it was like something that I would look at. And um, I don't know why I didn't yearn to have that from him, but I wanted it. You know, I wanted it from my own father. Uh, but at the time I, I had, he was not in our lives. I didn't know who he was and so forth. So. This bike came mm-hmm. from my stepfather, and I still remember, you know, um, as a stepchild, I was not the greatest. I was a female, um, uh, and I knew that I had a little attitude towards my stepfather, just knowing that he wasn't okay. my father. That was it. He did nothing wrong. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We went through our challenges, but he was a great, and I can't say it enough, a great provider. So um, um, back then, um, he was not my friend in my eyesight, but he presented me with his 10-speed bike. And let me tell you, ladies, the first thing that I did, and I still remember doing it, is I jumped up and hugged him so tight. And I started crying. And it was like... um, I don't know. I don't know. My body reacted without uh, even thinking about it. And so when I'm thinking about it, when um, I want to put my feelings on this. So at first, throughout all the years, I think that this was just, oh, I was happy. But now that the challenge came, I had to think about really what really tagged those feelings. What were you feeling? I felt relief as a 10-year-old girl, because I wanted to uh, do so much to prove that I'm just as adorable, I'm just as cute, I'm just as, um, uh, you know, enlightening as a child in the household. And so, you know, I I put more strain on myself as a kid. As a kid, I did this. I put a lot on myself as a kid. So while I was five, six, seven, eight, I'm trying to make myself be acceptable into this family that I knew my mother wanted to be a part of. You know, my mother wanted to be a part of, and I just felt like I was just extra baggage. You know, this is as a kid. I'm not making this up as an adult. This is what I was feeling. So when he gave me that 10-speed bike, um, now I can say I felt a little bit of relief because I always felt like I had to do things to make them proud of me. So that bike showed me they like me. I did do something right. And the other thing was um, for a moment, I felt accepted. You know, uh, that's what that little girl was feeling. That little girl was feeling relief. And she was feeling accepted finally through that token. Uh, that's how she took it. 
that's uh, that's a little bit about my fondest memory, uh, and I still remember it to the day that bike that bike that's was awesome. something else. Um, so. It's so interesting though that it does, you know, as you're 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 explaining that as your fondest, I still hear the opposite of that too. Yeah, I guess yeah that's yeah. just mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how a lot of things are, um, especially with the situation mm. that you're describing. So what mm-hmm. what about on the flip side, what was your earliest memory that caused you a little bit of trauma or heartache? Or was it included in that same one, you know? No, no, this is a, a different moment. Um, this really, um, I was a mm-hmm. teenager at this time. Um, and I thought that I had experienced my most tragic moment up until then but as i look back now at 52 that was my that was the one thing that happened that changed the way i i uh built it upon my living blocks you know and that was when um my parents got in an argument and um it was the first time that they came into our room and when this happened um I just knew it was because um, of me. So, so Terry, so, we have a guest. Um, hi, hi, mom. We Good do. morning. What is afternoon? Is hey, Auntie. Yeah, thank you for joining. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank afternoon. you for joining. I'm gonna stop you, Terry, just for a moment, so we can introduce mom and let her know what we're doing. Sure. So, mom, I I think you you got a chance to listen to the episode yesterday, ladies. Whoever's gonna <laughs> join us or listen to this later, um, my mother Myrtle is on the call with us, so we appreciate you so much for joining. What we're talking about now, because um, last week was the first episode, and it was entitled "Self Identity Crisis." So, what the activity was for last week was to just stop and try to go back to your earliest fondest memory, and then identify what emotion or emotions you attach to that fondest memory. And then also share what um, what your earliest traumatic or heartbreaking memory was and then attach an emotion to that. So, Terry, I know you just shared this, but can you, like, real quick just share again with mom? Because I want her to have that. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, ladies. We're going to recap for too, Auntie. Baby. And um, Auntie, love you. Hello. Welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're still growing here, Auntie. So, um, come along with us. Uh, my fondest memory, as I was telling the ladies, was when um, my um, I got I received a ten speed bike from my stepfather, and I I say stepfather lightly, but you know I I put a little more meat to the substance of what I went through as a kid, thinking that I was the outsider and as the stepchild and different things that I, as the kid was going through. And when I got that 10 speed bike, Oh my goodness. I can still feel the chills today at 52 about how I felt in that basement. (laughs) But all I know is that when I got that 10 speed bike at 10 years old, that that changed, um, that softened my look of my situation as a kid. And um, it, it made me feel validated mm-hmm. in the Fields family as as Terry, you know. Um, and, and those are things, like I said in the show, I put those restraints right. on me, but we're just talking about how we start off as kids putting these 
emotional yeah. bounds and stuff. So I put those on me, you know, and then I was just going into with the ladies about the most tragic uh, memory to me is my parents arguing and they had made their way to my room. And um, at that moment, I was sitting on my bed and I knew that the reason for all of that was me. It's okay. And that was the... Take your time. It's okay. You take your time. I still... For what? The argument? They're responsible. Okay. For, yeah. for the argument. So this is as a child, and I'm realizing now that even when I did the exercise, ladies, I had no emotional yeah. feeling. But right now, I feel responsible for what they went through. I felt responsible as a kid, and I took that on myself. And so as a kid, I try to do hard. I try to learn hard. I try to mm-hmm. wash the dishes. That's what I try we do. to do we the best that I could. There. You know. Um, and, and and yeah, yeah. And um, so when I was thinking of this, uh, ladies and aunties, the feeling that I put on that is that I felt like I was a letdown. You know, um, I felt uh, somewhat mm-hmm. muffled. Because that's when I stopped expressing like I used to be. My auntie told me, um, and this is another aunt, she used to tell me when I was a little girl that I was bubbly and that I would, I would, I was bubbly and I talked and laughed and everything. And I believe at that point in my life, that's when I realized that I started closing in. So I wasn't as bubbly. I was careful about what I said and I started to think about things a little longer instead of just being a kid and just reacting, you know, and learning from my mistakes. So muffled was a big, uh, because I learned how to muffle myself from then on. I I became an expert Mm -hmm. of not really saying what I want to say for the sake of, quote unquote, keeping the peace. But all the while on the inside, I was just storing up stuff for yeah. that great day of ex- implosion. You know, yeah. <laughs> it came. So those are those are two of the moments that really just kind of helped change yeah. that trajectory we talked about in the beginning. You know, as a kid, they were paramount in mm-hmm. me. They they took me off that that beaten path. And took me. And so you started off because I'm going to go all the way back mm-hmm. from mom. So you started off. Before you got the 10 speed, feeling like you didn't belong because you were the stepchild. Like you you said you knew you looked different. You were the first to know mm-hmm. you looked different. Mm-hmm. So obviously you were the first to feel you 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 were you were different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't have uh, any information about who your dad mm-hmm. was. It was kind of mm-hmm. taboo. There was no conversation about that. And because your mother mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. to be in the family, you wanted to mm-hmm. be in the family mm-hmm. because that's what she wanted also, but that you never really felt connected to your grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, who was the head of this family, although what you always respected mm-hmm. was the fact that he was a great mm-hmm. provider. So I'm assuming when you say provider, you're talking about from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Or something else, emotional or financial? Well, I have bad vision, mm-hmm. but you know, something about our creator, our hindsight it? is yeah. perfect 2020. 
So now that I can look back, I can clearly see that he did all that he could do, even with his uh, uh, sure. identity crisis, even with his uh, emotional right. incarceration, even with his bounds. He did the best yeah. he could. You know, um, I can say that now, but, you know, yeah. in the crux of it, of course, you feel like you're the the victim, the target, the reason, the cause. But uh, now, no, yeah, uh, he did the best that. he could. And uh, it was great. You know, I can I say get that it. now. Um, so. Mom, did you, did you get a chance to think about those questions or do you want me to go first to kind of get your mind girl going? Like no, your fondest? You, you or, start, like Terry said, <laughs> in all transparency, it took a really long time for me to even figure out what an earliest fondest memory was I'm still struggling with it but I landed on mm -hmm. one thing and it was because it was a it was a you know childhood mm -hmm. should be one of the greatest things a little person goes through but as you just said for the most part parents do the very best they can do with the tools that they're given and quite honestly especially in our community of, of the, the black community, there are struggles. There's, there's no, you know, people don't have therapy. You know, you know, no one talked about that. It was taboo back then, and, and you know, we just didn't know how to manage right. things. So, I, mm -hmm. for me, it's crazy because um, my earliest, one of my earliest, fondest memories was when my auntie Bonnie bought me a puppy. I don't even remember. Remember that, mom? She bought me. We was on Bursa Parkway. Yep. She bought me a puppy, and I and I, it was I, it was raining outside too, and we were living with my father, and it was an abusive household. Like the, my childhood was, it was very abusive. So um, she bought me this puppy, and I don't know what it was, but I don't even remember the puppy's name. I only got to keep him for a short uh, for less than a day because the next day I had to figure out how to get rid of him because my father said I couldn't. But I remember what I felt when I saw him. I felt elation. I just felt like. Uh, yeah, like puppies, you know, okay. puppies just have something about them. They're just innocent. Mm -hmm. Puppies are yeah. innocent. Yeah. And I saw yeah. that little furry face. <laughs> yeah. The and power of a I puppy. Felt yeah. I felt almost escapism <laughs> because I, I felt like he was going to be distraction from the not yeah. so good things that were happening. And unfortunately, I couldn't keep him right. because my father right. said, no, right. I don't think even to this day I know why. I think it was just a control issue. But I couldn't keep them. But when I think about my uh -huh. earliest, fondest uh -huh. memory, I wish I could go back further. But I think I was probably the same age, 10 or so. Because I, yeah, I think yeah. I was around yeah. 10, yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I wanted to say this because I pulled this up while, while we were talking. Mm -hmm. Childhood amnesia or childhood memory loss is normal. So, and this is whether experiences are happy mm -hmm, or the experiences mm -hmm. are sad. Um, it says by the age of 11 or so, they are less likely, meaning children, are less likely to recall early memories. And as their brain matures, they seem to lose those memories completely. Some mm -hmm. children can even forget early memories by the age of seven. So good, bad, or indifferent, it's normal what we're talking mm -hmm. about, not being mm -hmm. able to go back. I think when we talk about 
uh, toward the end of this episode and prepare for the next episode when we speak specifically on impact, we'll be able to delve a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what I'm hoping yeah. is that those memory blocks that we have as we go through the journey of evolving, we'll be able to uh, do like we did in the first episode, do that total recall. So this is the beginning of yeah. that total recall. So all of these episodes are challenges um, to learning blocks about yourself. So it's not a a thing that we're driving you to anywhere else, but deeper inside of this is just good stuff. Yeah, to understand that the brain is very complex. So sometimes it's it's very protecting. So even if those those memories and stuff are terrible, uh, the brain has a, and and the Lord has an amazing way of help help ease that pain, um, so to speak. But I, I guess I would say one of my, earliest, most traumatic um, experiences was really ongoing. And it was being raised in a household where um, my father's abusive to my mother, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, but also from to me, immensely, to me, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally. And um, mm-hmm. I, it, I mean, obviously, no one wants to see their parent being put in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that mm-hmm. was that was pretty devastating for me. But I, I would say the emotion, exactly what you said, I felt mm-hmm. responsible. And I also mm-hmm. felt hopeless mm-hmm. because I wanted to protect mm-hmm. my mother. You know what I'm saying? So right. at the time, I just felt um, mm-hmm. devastation, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, but that's what, mm-hmm. as kids, that's what we do. We want our parents, but you brought up a you brought up a good good point that you felt like you wanted to save her, and that's just so interesting to know as children that we have that innate uh, ability to want to protect. Yeah. You know, both of us, I believe you you, you we had some uh, correlations between both of our our memories. That yeah, yeah even with our fondest one, there was still yeah. something tragic about that yeah. already happening. And as a child, and we both say it was about the age of 10, but our trauma that we were dealing with internally was already there. And so uh, this has to do with, you know, the child wanting to protect their parents. And many times that's how this starts out is that the child views the parent in danger and they want to do something about it. And as you stated, you feel hopeless. Yeah, my, what a foundation to start off. Yeah, with. Um, say is my mom has always kind of been my shero. Like she wasn't didn't walk around a cape or anything, but for me, just mm-hmm. what she experienced was was traumatic. And like you said, hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty. And so as I grew older, matured, and of course became a mother myself, you realize once again, parents do the best that they can do with the tools that they're given. But imagine mm-hmm. how people. A lot of people think that it's a weakness for a woman not to be able to leave an abusive relationship. And quite often it's the opposite. I mean, how strong must mm-hmm. you be to continue to stay in a situation like that, especially mm-hmm. when there are children mm-hmm. involved. So, but for me, just being exactly. going back to that little girl, not being able to protect her was yeah. for me um, because I knew yeah. that she had never done anything wrong. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, so I knew that, mm-hmm. but anyway, that uh, was my earliest, Wow. Probably most consistent um, memory is who we are today. So I, I know that I'm as strong as she was. Ladies, again, we'll let you know this throughout all the episodes. We are family. 
Mm-hmm. And so some of these experiences are shared experience. And right. I do have experience of on Bertha Parkway, you know, yeah. with Auntie. I do have experience of you guys uh, living with us and me and you talking and, you know, all of that. You yeah. know, so that was another experience that, you know, this lets us know, ladies, that though that was my experience and that was Taya's experience, we are connected. Yeah. You know, we're connected. Those experiences and the repercussions and consequences of those experiences we're still connected to them you know mom do you want to share anything yes my fondest memory that that and i think i must have been oh maybe maybe seven or eight and you know we wow very poor very poor yeah uh yeah my brother uh your uncle your stepdad (laughs) will tell you that but uh I remember for Christmas, I don't know if y'all know anything about can-can skirts, but my mother gave me a red can-can skirt that had (laughs) bells on it. Bells on it. When you wore it, it just rang. (laughs) Bells just chiming and everything. That's my favorite they were scratchy, but that's my fondest memory. Because I don't know even yeah. how she could afford to to have bought that thing. Right, you get to wear it a lot, or you just wore it around that house with those bells oh, ringing. Whenever she I, I must have, I must have wore it to school because she wouldn't have bought it if I couldn't. Wear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, if I'm buying it, you're wearing it. <laughs> Yeah, um, but she knew, you know, but she knew whether you knew that she knew you got a gift that just and and when she gave it to you and and you reacted to it, your mom knew she already knew that that was something that you wanted. Oh, elated, she must have been just to know that she hit the jackpot. She got the thing for you. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Mm. <laughs> so, Maya, can we expand uh, on that just a little bit? Because, you know, just yeah. as our fondest memories, remember the event, but we want to go a little bit deeper of what was that's happening at that time that that skirt, just getting that skirt okay. made you feel so good. And, and, and then <laughs> name that feeling. Why did that make you feel so happy if you could? Because I knew yeah. that we were poor. There we go. I, okay. You know, I knew that wow. we were poor. I knew that she made, truly, you know, <laughs> Donnie will tell you, she made $10 a week because even after she passed, we found she still saved her check stubs. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. And so That's when she amazing. made $10 a week, I know our rent was $10 a month. Wow. And she still uh, and she still had to pay for child care and yeah. uh, you know wow. and all that. And yeah. you at seven, and you at seven, you could look around your surroundings and 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 could tell that you were poor. So you knew yeah. what rich was, and you knew that wasn't you, and you knew your mother struggled yeah. even at seven. So that when you got that, you knew your mom did something extra special. Yeah. And wow. I don't know if so I mom, really knew wow. rich. Yeah. Because all I knew was all poor. Everybody in the neighborhood might have been poor. All, everyone in that neighborhood was poor. Everyone right? in the neighborhood was poor. However, poor. there was people that, you know, that they, they got bikes. Yeah. We didn't get bikes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We didn't get bikes. They got skates, you know, the kind that look from the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They got that. 
we didn't get that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. and basically she was a single parent because mm -hmm. her father right. was alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and an abuser. So, mm -hmm. Right. There's something going on at the time or uh, my grandfather was abusive and he also was an alcoholic. Do you think that she bought that just to put a smile on your face or was it something that was happening around Christmas time where you thought it, she, she's doing this so she could allevi alleviate some of the pain or whatever is going on in the household. I think that she did it because it was Christmas time and mm -hmm. this was what she could do for That's us right. because and, and along with the, that skirt, we got a big peppermint stick mm. and I'll shoot. Uh, uh, the, the candy that came in the knitted uh, Yes, the stockings. We got yeah, a big candy cane, and we was, we always had nuts and mm -hmm. apples and oranges. Yeah, I think about what you're saying for Christmas, and that was so simple, but still, you it, it was meaningful. And now yes. these kids today, uh, you got to get tech, you know, iPhones and the cars that drive around the parking lot, and you know all those things when really. Uh, it was it was tough. You guys were poor, but that's your one of your fondest memories or your earliest fondest memories. And I'm just I'm, it's just ironic. We've gotten so much farther away from the simplistic things to just make us happy because we know that it took a lot of sacrifice mm -hmm. for that yeah. thing, uh, to mm -hmm. happen for you to get that cancer. And now it's there's quite a few kids who don't even think about that. They're just thinking, oh, thank you for my iPhone. They're yeah, and, yeah, and, it's, mm -hmm. and thank you so for that. Their experience is so much different, you know, um, yeah. and, and our yeah. version of poor, you do have Jordans on your feet. Our version of poor, you do, you can't open up the refrigerator. Our version of poor, you got a car that you get uh, money on, you know, it's not $10 yes. a week, you know, yeah. so it's different. Yeah, it's just cool. awesome to look, listen to your experience. And, I, and I'm, I've always told a lot of people that I'm fond of those times of the past when you had less because it was then I don't understand how to they cook food every night how could you bake every day how did y'all do it is some of the most because I knew you had less but for some reason you made a way you know and that's sort of like what your mom did she made a way with what she had you yeah. know so that that is fine I I've even taken her to save for it because, like I said, other bills yeah, still had to yeah, be paid. Exactly. Her, she had must have felt like when you had that skirt on, walking around with the jingle and the bells mm -hmm. and stuff, that she must have felt like we all have felt when our children open that yeah, one gift yeah. that we just. Yeah, it's just a much a gift away. for you. Yeah, yeah, and she's and just think she's seven or eight, you know, and you want yeah. that child. I, I I can't give you everything I want, but I I so want you to feel loved and and showered on yeah. at Christmas time. What can I do for my daughter? And yeah. that's exactly you know that I I love that expression of love. And then the reason behind because they were poor. She's seven or eight, right. seven or eight, and realizing yeah. that we're poor, but I got this gift. Mm. Yeah. First of all, let's get to mom can think back far, farther than us. <laughs> So yeah, man, yeah. yeah that was impressive to me too that she could go back to seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. this memory didn't didn't feel so great. I think I was still probably about the same age mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because uh -huh. my father was abusive. He was an alcoholic. He cheated uh -huh. on my mother, mm -hmm. and when he 
would come home, he would always want to fight her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. remember my brother and I jumping on his back, beating him, mm -hmm. beating him mm -hmm. so that he would not beat her. Mm. And yeah. I remember uh, at some point, it's still about the seven, eight, nine years old mm. uh, range, that our eyes, both of our eyes started to get bad. And when she took uh, us to the doctor, we both needed glasses. Well, me being a girl yeah. and wanting to be cute, I didn't want to wear glasses. So right. Donnie got the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I remember those. I remember a picture with those. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That, that was the time. That was about the age. And then, uh, you know, just trying to, like you said, you were trying to protect me. We were trying to protect yeah. her. And natural. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I can see how that becomes generational. Wow. Yeah. Even though you don't realize that then, you know, yeah, this is something exactly. that, that's going to be passed on to right, right. my child. Yeah. My right. child passed it on to yeah. her child right, and, and right, on right. and on, you know. Right. But uh, that, that's that's what happened. That was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the other thing that, that he did, <laughs> I still remember, he would bring proof home that he had somebody else. Wow. So, so yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and, and that's, you're, that's, this, that, this is what's really getting me is the correlation between all of us. And I'm pretty sure, ladies, uh, if you're listening, yeah. um, you, we're seeing a, a, a pattern here uh, about the mm -hmm. same age that we remember our fondest memory. We also have been affected with some traumatic uh, experience at the very same age. And a lot of this is when we are kids. So um, just as Auntie was saying uh, about, you know, the pattern of us as her niece and daughter wanting to protect our mother, so did they by jumping on, you know, yeah. uh, their yeah. father's back to stop them from hurting their mom. The responsibility that kids put on themselves, not even we don't vocalize it because one, if you're an only child, who are you going to speak it to? If you're just, you know, if you're yeah. the girl, yeah. maybe you're not going to tell the brother or maybe y'all do speak to each other as a uh, force of saying we're not going to let this happen. Or maybe you are the only one in the house that's saying, I'm not going to let this happen when I grow up. I'm not going to do this one. I'm, I'm going to be this way. And I this was that person. Yeah, we all I are that probably person. Too. I was that person. This is never going to happen right, to me. I don't right. care how long I've been married. Yeah. It ain't going to happen to me. If you don't have someone to teach you that, you can say all day long, this is not going to happen to me. I refuse to let it happen. But then unless someone gives you tools to manage that more effectively or instill in you that you're wonderful and good and don't deserve this, it's very difficult not to avoid the same thing exactly. because we're not giving the tools to not building the muscle for it. So not just being taught it, but being exercising it in everything that we do. So it is inevitable. This is the reason why things are generational is because People are just doing the best they can do, and sometimes they're not even set up for success. So, yes, you're going to pass it on to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, etc., unless someone helps you or unless you can figure out on your own how to break the cycle yourself. And we just are not equipped with that, especially at Little. You were not equipped with that at 7. 
you know? So, so even if you had it in your head, this is not going to happen to me, you could not stop it at seven. You couldn't start thinking about it because you weren't even a woman yet. And it's just the examples right in front of us to say, oh, this is what healthy looks like. Oh, okay. All right. Let me, let me hang around this healthy uh, ex- example more often. So I, we didn't have and that. You- so there's no way that really you can avoid it. It's just right. you get into it and you, you, you do what you can as best as you can and, and you move forward. Right. That's crucial to keep in mind as we go through this journey. But as we go through recognizing the identity crisis, where did it start? Where did the emotional incarceration start? We're focusing back in time and kind of reliving that point in time. And so here we are, seven, eight, ten, and ten. And we've went through this experience and we've made it up in our seven and eight year old mind and our 10 year old minds that moving forward in our individual life. Now, these are things that we didn't express to nobody. These are the things that we just kept to ourselves. We didn't tell our mom because our mom's going through stuff, but she don't know. I'm not going to go through this. Uh, I'm looking at what you're going through. I'm not doing it. Uh, Yeah, me and my brother, we did hear the fighting and everything. I didn't tell him, but in my mind, I knew that as I grew up, I'm not going to do this. So we moved from seven and eight to nine. Some things that we did at nine was because in the back of our minds and in our hearts, we made a creed, an oath with ourselves that we're not going to do it. So maybe at 10 and 11 and 12, we start to experience some other things, you know? And so our parents are wondering, well, why are we acting this way? Well, we've resolved in our minds for our own reason. I can't really say it to you, mom, that you're in an abusive relationship and I'm not going to be like you. I'm fearful to say that, but I'm living as a kid that way. And so maybe I buck against You know, I think that has a lot to do with me bucking against my stepfather because I just knew, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So we didn't realize that I had a reason behind what I was doing while I was doing it. They just seen me as being disobedient. But who could I share that with? I had nobody to share it with. Yeah. No, that's also... That's what we do. Yeah. We're women. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we do. That's 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 the whole primary purpose of us, you know, formulating no regular girl organization. And then this podcast, you need to hear this is because that's what we do. The moment we're expelled from those wombs, our mom's wombs, we are required as young girls and women to do more, to be more, to say less, to be pretty, to be smart, to be all these things. And I'm not saying that boys don't get some of that, but they most certainly don't get it the way that we do. They they are allowed to make mistakes, like the cheating and stuff. They're allowed to do everything wrong. And guess what? They're still going to be mama's boy and daddy's boy. Right. But but as little girls, we are. It's just instilled in us is that we have to make very few mistakes. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Right. And I'll share this. That we mother always told me there was a lot of things that I could not do. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up and mm-hmm. and moving forward, that I still can't do. I can't right. skate. I never learned how to skate. I never really yeah. learned how to ride a bike because only boys did that. Only mm-hmm. boys, you know, mm-hmm. skated. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. had skates. So I never had skates. I never had a bicycle of my own, and therefore I never learned how to do those things. And when yeah. I became of age to date well there was none of that none of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh 
And even though I got punished for something that I Mm -hmm. did not do because she Mm -hmm. thought that I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That being said, we do have to be careful how Mm -hmm. we treat our girls different Mm -hmm. than our boys. Mm -hmm. But what she mm -hmm. would tell me is, your brother can go out there and roll in the dirt and roll in the dirt, but when Mm -hmm. he gets up and washes off, he's still going to be Mr. Fields. If -hmm. you do that, Mm -hmm. you're going to be labeled as a whore. Mm-hmm. I'm over yeah. 70 years yeah. old and I still yeah. remember her saying that. Yeah. Mother Fields, I bet you that's what she heard from her mother. Well, she, oh, yeah. and she then didn't. So on and so- I, I'll have to correct you. She didn't, she didn't because some of the died when she was 13 and she was left to raise the rest of her brothers. But that's what society taught. But that was society taught. That was nothing that uh, Grandmother Fields just found out. Her, yeah. her generation before her yeah. and before her and before her. This is in name. We, we barely got the right women, barely had to fight for the right to speak, fight for the right to sit in the front seat, fight for the right, right. to just yeah. be a, a whole person. Same way with all the, the, the Indians and the African-American and immigrants. Women were just not considered a whole person for whatever reason. Right. But as you said, all these things, ladies, um, let's view this. We're looking at some really dark situations that we're dealing with and the residual effects of them today. But man, how much better did it set us up for women? We are the strongest. I'm sorry, I got to say it. But we are the strongest uh, humans on the face of the earth. And there's only a comparison of two. So I am really thankful. I'm really thankful now. Like you said, Tanya, hindsight. This can make me go on the rest of my day with a little bit of joy. You know what? That looked like an obstacle. You don't set me up to be a better person to be here today to even want to even be better. You know? Wow. Yeah. Read something yes. to you both and to, to the rest of you ladies, because I know when um, last year when we were kind of preparing to launch and then, like I said, COVID started, I sent you the link to this song and the song was called Baby Girl. It's by um, the two sisters, Chloe and Hallie, mm-hmm. and they are signed to label. So I want to read this to you because this song just resonates with me so much. And I'm going to read the verse. It says they they make it look so easy. One day I'm talking to Jesus. Then I was talking to demons. And it just brought back so much. It's like, all right, it reminded me of the innocence innocence of childhood. But then something happens. And then now you're talking to demons. Mm -hmm. And it could be lots of different things. It could be the negative, Mm -hmm. those traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. talk about. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, creating those experiences with Mm -hmm. demons Mm -hmm. or becoming the demon ourselves because we didn't have the tools to be better and to do better. So that's, that's, but then also a couple other things that stand out to me with this song, it says, uh, uh, try so hard to let it go, but today I'm just feeling low. And so just giving ourselves the permission to not be perfect Mm -hmm. and not be happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why there's so much, um, a dissatisfaction with who we are as women because we we actually we don't have time to even stop to give us our, our, ourselves time to feel low because there's too many things to take care of. It's too many people mm-hmm. take care of, too many bills to figure out. It's too many, all of that. So where does self-care, where does self-esteem, where does self-love come? It doesn't. Then um, I'll end up just some of the lyrics in this song when it says, 
Every day I got to please them while I'm picking up the pieces. All the sights I've seen, but I'm still so clean. So just talking about that fake smile, you know, we put on every single day, every single situation, because even though, mom, I think about you, even though you're going through that with my father, how exhausting must that have been to just try to act like everything's okay? When you knew everything wasn't okay, but your focus was to make sure Tanya felt everything was okay. That has to be exhausting, which again means you couldn't have focused on yourself because you were focusing on me. And it's just, it's just, it's so interesting to me, uh, like you mentioned, how strong women are, but also the reasons why we're so strong. And quite honestly, some of the reasons why we're so, so strong, I believe, is because of the, uh, more so because of the most traumatic things that we went through and not the fondest, because the fondest, I, I would gather to say that for a lot of women, those as we were growing up, possibly are fewer and far between because we got too many other things to do. And like you said, I remember what you said last week, Terry, you said, um, I was good at school because I didn't want to get hollered at. Like, you, you know what that felt like. So that meant you have to do well in school. Uh, you didn't, there was no option for you to do poor in school because you know what that felt like when you got yelled about it. So you had to be perfect at this and perfect at that and all, all this stuff, which again is exhausting mm -hmm. and you don't have anyone to talk to about mm -hmm. it. You know, so now it's muffled. Mm -hmm. Those those are muffled and we just, you know, we become someone, we become everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone else wants us to be without really knowing what our identity is, which is where the crisis comes in. The crisis is because everybody has told us, this is who you are and not giving us permission or the autonomy to make that decision on our own. The decision has been made for us based on what people are telling us, based on people are, are, how people are treating us, and based on the fact that as women, we're told we're, we're second class to the men, which, which still a lot of that goes on today. Couldn't have said it any better. So. Um, activity, upon impact. We want to talk about the things that, ladies, you've written down for yourselves, your fondest and most traumatic memories, the earliest ones, and then what the three of us have shared today. For next week, let's focus on the impact of that. Like, like how, how those fondest and traumatic experiences impacted us, that take us. What are those feelings and those emotions that we attach to it? What was the impact on it? Um, who do we become at 12 and 15 and 13 as, as a result of what happened at 7 and 8 and 10 and that's a that's a challenge I think that uh, I'm willing to take. And so, ladies, if you're willing to continue down this journey to a more authentic self, uh, please invite your friends, you know, to join with us. We're going to get that link out for next week's um, podcast. And uh, whether it's your aunt, your daughter, your sister, your friend, just let them know, hey. You need to hear this, sis, because we're on a new journey. Uh, we've got more challenges, but we can do this better. We don't move my mountain. Just give us the strength to climb. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Great. Let's do it. <laughs> that was yes. great. Yeah, it was. I, I have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was great. So on behalf of Terry and myself, we want to both thank my mother, yes, Mara, for joining us. so glad to have you. Very, yes. Yeah, glad very, to be very enlightening. I appreciate sharing. And um, yeah, so ladies, if you want to get the specific 
exercise or activity for next week, you can log on to noregulargirl.org. If you're interested in sending a message about this particular episode, all you need to do is go to the podcast on anchor.fm and click on messages for the podcast. You need to hear this, sis, and just let us know what you think mm-hmm. and what um, and you can record what it too. you want us to discuss. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can record it. And we just thank you again. Carrie, you want to just take us out? Thank you again for taking time out. Uh, And and I was going to say thank you for taking time out for us. But no, thank you for taking time out for you. So, uh, ladies, if you didn't get to join today or you didn't get to do the first activities in the Total Recall episode, uh, it's not over. You can start now. So uh, just join us again next week. We thank you so much for sharing, Auntie. Um, I was able to really get to some deeper feelings that uh, I think I had hidden in there. So uh, this collaborative effort for us to be better women today, I think it's just one that we can't stop. You know, the momentum we can't stop. And so, uh, ladies, take this in your homes. Be infectious in your homes. As you grow, then everything around you will grow, too. So, Anya, you're the best co-host ever. Um, Thank you. So that's about it. Thank you, ladies. Thank you again for taking time out. Uh, and, and I was going to say thank you for taking time out for us. But no, thank you for taking time out for you. So, uh, ladies, if you didn't get to join today or you didn't get to do the first activities in the Total Recall episode, uh, it's not over. You can start now. So uh, just join us again next week. We thank you so much for sharing, Auntie. Um, I was able to really get to some deeper feelings that uh, I think I had hidden in there. So uh, this collaborative effort for us to be better women today, I think it's just one that we can't stop. You know, the momentum we can't stop. And so uh, ladies, take this in your homes. Be infectious in your homes. As you grow, then everything around you will grow too. So...